and welcome to the Money Magic Podcast with Vangile Makwakwa. This is the podcast where we talk about trauma and how it affects our finances and our lives. I help women of color unlock ancestral wisdom so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. This podcast was birthed when I started having conversations with private clients and students in my online courses about the remarkable shifts they'd had in their finances and started receiving feedback and updates from people on how these conversations were helping them understand their family dynamics and financial behavior. I've seen how unlocking ancestral wisdom has helped me pay off $60,000 in debt, buy property, launch and grow my company Wealthy Money into a six-figure business in US dollars as I travel and live in various countries on the globe. I've lived in over eight countries and traveled to many more as I built this company. My intention with this podcast is to provide you with weekly episodes that help you understand the importance of healing and help you understand your relationship with money better so you can start making different financial decisions and creating a life you love for yourself and future generations. So without further ado, let's get started and dive into this week's episode. Welcome to episode 40 of the Money Magic Podcast. If you've just joined us, my name is Vangile Makwakwa. I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so they can uh, fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. I'm also the author of Heart, Mind, and Money, Using Emotional Intelligence for Financial Success. You can check it out on Amazon or just find it on our website or go, if you're in South Africa, Take A Lot also has it. Um, and I'm also the founder of Wealthy Money. I think I might have said that, but if I haven't, we get it a second time. <laughs> With me is our guest, also a Money Magic student, Lerato Molisana. Hello, Lerato. Thank you so much for joining. Hello, Mangile. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, so Lerato, please tell us who you are. Where are you in the world? What's your favorite hobbies? Just go for it. Who are you as a human being? <laughs> um, this is always such a difficult question to answer. Um, I always start with where I come from because that's really important for me. I'm from Masirule Soto, and but I also identify with uh, being from Botabo Taylor Soto. So those two places, um, and it's important that I mention that. And um, I'm a writer. Uh, right now, that's what I am quote unquote identifying as because that's what I'm uh, occupied with currently so I, I write I'm currently doing an MFA in creative writing because I really want to take this writing thing seriously uh, I'm currently based in the U.S. right now I'm in Flagstaff in Arizona which is about two and a half hours away from Phoenix um hobbies and things I mean I love to read I'm a typical writer reserved I love to read a lot um I love to have deep conversations um I don't know how to have small talks I don't know how to talk about the weather like I'm going to go deep into 
so where does your name come from? Like, <laughs> what trauma do you carry from your childhood? <laughs> First conversation over coffee. So that's that's me. I feel like I'm the same. Like, everyone always says to me, how do you know so much about the people that you meet? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'll bump into someone in the street and by the end of the conversation, we'll have spoken about so much and have swapped numbers and <laughs> all the most random things. Like, on my travels, I when I went to Morocco, even when I head to Turkey, I'm going to be seeing the same friend. Like when I went to Morocco, we met on Twitter. We were like, let's do a Zoom meeting. We became such fast friends. We then decided to go to Morocco together to travel Morocco together. So we wow. went off for a month, booked an Airbnb together and just like stayed together. And now I'm heading to Turkey. I saw she's in Turkey, told her I'm coming to Turkey. She's like, this is incredible. Come visit me, come stay with me. I was like, I won't stay, but I'm gonna come visit for sure. You know, yeah. so I get it. <laughs> I get this because why have small talk when you can find out about someone's childhood trauma? <laughs> right. Connecting with people. I think because I value being seen, I always make it a point to, to do that for other people. Like I acknowledge who you are, I acknowledge your humanity. And I think when you keep it light, you don't really, it, it doesn't give you enough space to do that, to sort of validate someone. This is so fascinating. I love what you've just said. I'm going to have to reflect on it. Guys, if you're listening, let us know in the comments, if wherever you're listening in, right? YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, et cetera. Like this, if this is something that you are resonating with, because I think so many of us don't feel, uh, don't feel fully seen, right? Yeah. 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 So what does money mean to you, Lerato? If you had to describe money to an alien, how would you describe it? Money is energy. Um, I remember hearing Lira's song, uh, Mali, years ago, and she was referring to it as energy. And I remember just my mind was blown. It was the first time the concept of money um, being energy was introduced to me and and it just stuck and with doing the course it's it's just become even more apparent that money is energy it's neutral so you decide you decide what it is to you you decide whether that falls on the negative or the positive side you attract it or you repel it um so yes that's that's what money is and obviously it comes in different forms like now being here in in the u.s the concept of money is shifting for me. Like back home prices and things, I know a thousand rand, two thousand, but here it's like five dollars is is a lot of money. But back home, five five rand, five money is is nothing. Um, so having fifty rand is not. Yeah, like what can I do with seven hundred and fifty rand? Um, even. But like $5 is what, 75 rand. But in the US, $5 can get you a meal. It can get you so much. You can like literally sit down in a restaurant and have a meal off of $5. In South Africa, 75 rand, you're like, where can I go eat with that? You know, like not even KFC can get me. I can't even get a proper KFC meal if you eat KFC. Guess you can get a veggie burger and steers. <laughs> yeah, they like... $5 can actually feed two people at a restaurant in the US. You can get a decent 
meal from that in certain yeah. cities. Yeah, I was I was um, shopping a few days ago and I was given change, grocery shopping, and there were I had LED one cent, like one cent and like three of them. And I hadn't touched a one cent coin in years because we phased it out in South Africa and Lesotho, right? Yeah. And I was, it just, it was so fascinating to me. Like, so money even has like the weight of money just, um, yeah, it just speaks more to money being energy. Like the energy here of money is more intense than back home. I mean, minus the economics of it. I don't want to get into that because then it gets complicated. Tell me what you mean by that. Like, I'm very, very fascinated. I think I know because I, apart from South Africa, I think apart from, so the cities that I've lived longest in, in the world, like cities, not just countries, because actually I, I've gotten to the point in my life where I spend 50% of my time outside of my life outside of South Africa and 50% in South Africa, which is so crazy when I sometimes think about it. I'm like, oh my God, I've been traveling for 50% of my human existence. How? <laughs> How did this happen? You know, like since uh, I was 19, I started traveling, even though I was at university in Cape Town, like I was going to Namibia, just like going outside of countries. Mm. But what is your sense of, what do you mean by the energy of money in the US is more intense than the energy of money in South Africa or Lesotho? Talk us through your thoughts on that. Um. Man, what do I mean? It's just, it's, it's more tangible to me. I think being back home, because money was, um, I think I repelled money a lot when I was home. So it was that, that, that thing that I was trying to chase um, that I just never got. And then here, I have a stipend every month, the money comes in. And the fact that when you have a dollar, it's, I mean, it's a dollar, but you can, you can do so much with it. Or $5, you can do so much with it. Um, so even holding five dollars just feels different. It's I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just for me money is more intense here. Because even when I when I um, set goals for myself and I attach like certain a certain amount of money, like this is how much I want to generate or whatever, like I can confidently put a certain amount of money in dollars, and I'm like this is doable. It's tangible. Whereas back home with rands or my it just I don't know. It was like water just kind of spilling out of my hands. That's that is I... so interesting. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, like I say, I don't know if I said this before in the student group, but I set my income goals in dollars, right? Because I travel so much. So in different countries, it's just like dollars are standard. So when I like set the income goals, I just put them in dollars and I just keep it moving. But then I do my budgets in rands because my bank accounts and most of my bills are that. Uh, and like, obviously, because wealthy money has 40% of people from abroad paying into the account. So it works whether I use rands or dollars because I do earn in dollars <laughs> and I earn in rand and my expenses are both in rands and dollars. But I wonder when, if that shifted, when I started doing the goals in dollars, did that start to shift my ability to manifest money? Um, I mean, like I obviously connected with the currency of US dollars because like I said, if I'm billing people in US dollars, then it's not a problem because I've got that in dollars and 
I have, I'm paying things in dollars and I am receiving the money in dollars. But I'm just fascinated if that shifted my perception of money or maybe even my openness around money. Hmm. Wow, you're also making me think that that maybe I'm connecting more with with dollars or I don't know. That's actually that's homework for me. I need to sit and and interrogate. Right, and I'm also wondering as we're talking about this, is it possible that rands um, have? I can just say for me, like the rand as a currency has so much weight and triggers for me. Granted, dollars also have a lot of weight and triggers for me because, um, oh, what I wanted to say was that the city that I've lived longest in, in my adult life, one of the cities has been Boston, Massachusetts, right? So I spent five consecutive years just dealing in nothing but dollars. So, um, I just, because I also see, like I have, I carry a lot of trauma that I work through in from Boston. And then I also carry trauma around money from Johannesburg and South Africa, uh, South Africa, but mainly Johannesburg in particular. So I'm just wondering, granted the RAND trauma is a lot weightier because <laughs> it's from the teen years and it's like so much more involved with my family that maybe part of me associates more like when I see rands as a currency, I'm also triggered back into the childhood trauma. So maybe dollars doesn't have that trauma attached as a currency. Don't know if this is making sense, but as a oh, money manager, it's resonating so much. It's resonating so much with me. Um, like as you're saying that, I'm seeing banknotes and rands and and money, and I yeah, and I just think of how my brokest times like holding a 10 rand note or a 10 maluti note sometimes that would be the only thing between me and uh in quotes poverty and I remember I have to now start thinking how am I going to call my parents or my sister asking for money or explaining that I don't know something happened my budget this month can you please top me up or something Whew, okay that that really does make a lot of sense that that uh yeah. I mean, countries can trigger us in a particular manner. Why can't the currencies of that particular country trigger us in the same way? So, I mean, like, like I said, for me, it doesn't count because <laughs> trauma in both these countries, <laughs> like, a dollar holding dollars, I know triggers me in some way. Holding rands triggers me in some way. But then I'm thinking of like a country where I've always just had an incredible experience. Like for me, it feels so easy to manifest Sri Lankan rupees. You know, like I'll be like, oh, this is what I have left in terms of rupees. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm sure money will just come. And it always has. Doesn't matter how little money I have in my account when I land in Sri Lanka. Once I touch rupees, like, I just have, like, it's just going to happen. I'm just going to get more money, you know, and it always just comes. <laughs> Doesn't matter if I booked into a five-star with, like, the bare minimum amount or if I booked into a three-star with the bare minimum amount. It just works. But I also think I don't, like, my time in Sri Lanka is always filled with such deep joy, with gratitude, with sunsets, with oceans, with travels. It's just like Sri Lanka just has the most for me. You know, even relationshiping with people, it's just, I just have like happy memories, you know? Even yeah. though I'm 
say for a while, like it's very rare to be in a country where you just, it's just majority, just like happy, happy, happy. But that's how it is for me in that country. That's how it is for me as well. The past few months, I arrived here in January and honestly, yeah. the majority of my experiences have been very positive. People have been so kind. So for me, um, kindness and compassion from people is a currency. Uh, mm -hmm. I when people see me and they treat me well, it just, I don't know, I feel like a queen. And that's that's been my treatment here. People have been accommodating. They've received me well. Um, people will show me specials. Or I'll go for lunch or whatever with a friend. They'll offer to pay. Um, that's, that's just what it's been like for me here. So maybe that's why I associate this place with ease because, um, yeah, that, that's just been... That's been yes. my yeah. So manifesting money or thinking of because I haven't really um, like actually actioned any of the the goals I have set, but the thought of actioning them, there's just so much ease around that, and and yeah, you, it's it's clear now that it's because of these experiences that I've had and my association with this place. This is wow. This is amazing, guys. There's a whole thing around astrocartography and everything. One day I'm going to invite my astrocartographer on here and share how I get to just telling Miraja offline, how I get to choose places to live in, how I will sometimes move to certain countries based on business deals that I'm working on, because I know how certain planets align for me in certain countries. It's just... There's a lot around like energy of cities, how we relate with people. And I guess now I'm just gonna add currency to it. You know, definitely like, I feel like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense for me. Like how rams would definitely be heavier <laughs> than most currencies. And pounds, pounds are also such a heavy currency for me because I've often struggled in the UK. So it's just been like, Heavy, heavy, heavy. <laughs> Actually, Europe is not hey, my favorite. Have you not lived it, man? <laughs> you, you've been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exploring the globe to decide which country works for me. You know, when you've like experienced, like I feel like I experienced South Africa and my spirit knew this is not the country where my star, where the stars align for me. So I've been to many countries. And like I said, like I've had so many different experiences in different countries and I can literally say, okay, this country, no, the spirits do not, the stars don't align, the spirits are not with me. So it's not just South Africa. There's so many countries where I'll be like, eh, yeah, not in alignment for me. I can't be there, <laughs> but yeah. And some of the oddest countries like India is like so in alignment with me. Like things just shift and move and everything just happens in India. And like it, India is such a dichotomy, you know? I didn't expect it. Like I'm one of the few people, guys don't do this at home. Like I land in India, I'm like, hmm, tap water, I'm gonna boil it and drink it. Everybody was like, the first time I got to India, everyone was like, you're gonna get sick. I have never, <laughs> I'm like, Please don't try this at home because I know people have tried this and they've ended up like with all sorts of crazy illnesses and things. Yeah. It's been wild. Like I've had some wild, wild life experiences. Definitely some, please listen with the pinch of salt. Do not do what I do in certain countries, right? <laughs> but I love this. I love this conversation. So 
Lerato, when you joined the course, um, you didn't have a joining experience like most people, but it will be very interesting to find out, like when you decided to join the Money Magic course, what were you expecting? Um, okay, so I had, remember I had the, the session with you, the, the coaching session initially, and yeah. um, you had encouraged me to join the course. You were like, one session with me is not enough uh, because these things you're experiencing, they're systematic and you need to deal with them over um, a long period of, of time. And, and because I was just so down, I was depressed. I was like, please, just the session. I mean, I was suicidal. I don't think we've had this conversation, um, but, but I, was, I was depressed. I was suicidal. You were literally my last straw. I was like, let me go talk to Vangile. And I remember telling you how depressed I am. And you're like, I get it. It wasn't no man just to do, do positive affirmations and get yourself out of the hole. It was, I absolutely get it. It's okay that you're in that state. Um, so we had that session, but before I'd, I'd sort of seen the Money Magic course um, bits and pieces, but because, because of the, the group dynamic, I wasn't buying into it because I'm very reserved. I'm very, I was just like, no, <laughs> it sounds like a lot of work. Um, too many people chipping in and, and giving me opinions. It's just not going to work for me. Um, but after the session we had, I was like, okay because you gave me journal uh, prompts after that. And I think, okay, let me tell you. And this is what I love about the course and the way that I work, you guys, is I also work with who I feel a person is. So I knew that Lirato would really thrive doing journal prompts because she's a writer, right? Yeah, um, and I actually, I found journals. So here's the other thing. Um, my, my breakthroughs have not been in the form of checks coming in or promotions at work. If anything, when I started doing this work, I quit my job and I was home for about a year and a half with no income. Um, and I, I, I look at things like that and I think I'm not making progress. But I was looking at, I brought uh, my journals from home, like four journals. I was, I was even putting stickers in, in some of the, the, the um, journaling that I'd done, but it's actually a lot of work that I've done. Um, the yeah. fact that I'm here, I was I like- I've seen oh, you do this work. But also remember when you started, you wanted to be a writer, right? That was your entire thing. It's like, all I wanna do is be a writer. I remember you saying that. And I want to make a living out of writing, but I don't see it happening. And I think that's also the thing, like one of the things, I don't know if we had this discussion that like when we don't live our soul's purpose and the soul is asking for one thing and we are going in another direction, it can also lead to deep depression and anxiety and panic and all sorts of things. And then it's like we are in battle with the soul and in battle with the world, you know, because the world tells us, for you to make a living, this is how you need to do it. But then you get into that space and your ish falls apart because your soul is, hasn't bought into this narrative, right? You're like trying to get your soul on this narrative and the soul is like, nope, I'm not about this. <laughs> yeah. Which was basically what was happening to me. I, that's why I was so frustrated with everything. Literally nothing was coming together. Um, I wasn't getting the jobs I thought I'd be getting. 
like I studied maths and statistics in my undergrad because, um, and I mixed uh, mixed it with with commercial subjects because the story was you're a black woman, you you're in the sciences, you're mixing this with commercial subjects. Listen, it's easy. It's going to be easy for you to get a job and financial um, success is just it's guaranteed. And then after my degree, that's not what happened. It was actually a lot of struggle um, for like oh, five years. Degree. You are me with my finance degree, with refusing to write. Oh my gosh, I resonate with you so much. And that's why I resonated with you so much. I was like, I get it. I know. Oh my gosh, this is a struggle I know so deeply. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yes, you'd asked about joining the course. So, yes, it's where you suggested that I should rather join the course. So the the one on one session we had, I think it was meant to be an hour. We went for like two and a half hours or something. I just remember that it went. As it went. <laughs> I do not work with time, right? right like... <laughs> yeah. So it it went for um uh much longer. And do you know that the things I saw then, they're unfolding now in my life. And I remember I'd say to you, this doesn't make sense. I'd see myself with makeup, polished. And at the time I was like, <laughs> remember? And then one time I stopped, I was like, no, Mangile, this doesn't make sense. This is not me. I don't look like this. I don't dress like this. And you I like, remember that. You were like, but this doesn't. So guys, I take people through, I do a higher self meditation. And of course, we work with ancestors and call in the guides, and then we call in, like, show us the higher self version of you. And Lerata, you are exactly who you envision, you who you saw yourself as. And I remember you saying to me, "I don't even know how to wear makeup. I don't. I've never done this, and I would never dress like this. Right now, this is the opposite of how I dress. It's everything that I'm not as like child. And in there, you were like, but I'm also." in a career of writing and following this path and she's like but this is so far from where I am yep and I was in a foreign city remember I was like I'm in a foreign city and I was like this is fiction it doesn't make sense <laughs> right it is it's really really bizarre because sometimes who your higher self is is so far from I mean you know this right it's like the complete opposite of who you are and you've never ever envisioned that so when we do the exercise of where you really where your spirit your soul really wants to be it's like how can this be because what we're expecting is that maybe there's a small little shift but with you it was everything sis it was like <laughs> like your soul was like listen where you are right now is so far from where I want to head <laughs> and yeah I understand it to be honest but that's the beauty of the work we it's not for us to understand it's that we trust that if we do the work like whatever we've been taught by society that has caused the break between the truth of the soul and just like whatever actions we're taking will kind of come back into alignment because I think that's the thing we grow up as kids knowing exactly who we are and knowing our part all that and then we go we tell the adults around us and everybody goes 
no, you can't be an artist, you can't be a writer, you can't be a dancer, you can't do that, you won't make a living. So then we're like, I'm gonna break whatever is between my soul and me, and I'm gonna follow the reasonable path, the path that makes sense, you know? And I think that is the hard thing. That's where like, the that is actually traumatic. I talk a lot about that. Um, well, I haven't spoken about it in the student group, but I've been talking a lot about that with some friends, just so that I have, I know what to talk about in the student group. I feel like it's a different kind of God wound. It's almost like a soul trauma, that it's almost like to survive this world, we divide ourselves. We fracture the soul into many, into many different parts so that we can survive. And then like, this is why we'll wake up and be like, something is off because parts of us are at war with each other. So how do you align those parts again? Yeah, and, and for me, the God wound was, was one of those that I, I had to go deep with. And I think I started seeing shifts, a lot of shifts um, from doing that work. But that, that for me was my, my strongest hold. It, it just, it was deep. I'm still working through it even now um yeah same I'm there now same I don't know why South Africa always gets me back to the God wound <sighs> we talk a lot a lot of people come on this podcast and talk about the God wound. and again guys if you've just landed on this podcast the God wound is not about religion I wasn't brought up in a religious family I don't know what it's like to go to church on Sunday I don't know what it's like to have a preacher. I don't know what it's like to have a church group. I don't know what goes on in Sunday school. I just read from the students and I'm like, wow, this sounds like a lot. <laughs> you know? So I didn't grow up with this upbringing, um, but I still have a God wound, right? Because a God wound is not about the religious God. It's more about the woundings of the soul and the divine, kind of like what I've been speaking about, like how we fracture our souls and I think, how do we put it? Kind of like taint our relationship with divinity based on earthly things, you know? And earthly notions of what divinity is. And it's a difficult one. It's challenging, especially for people that are deeply spiritual because the God wound can hold us up for years if we don't heal it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the other thing that convinced me because I don't know if you were aware, but um, I joined the student group end of the month because I remember it was early August when I approached you. And then um, I even have the dates on the 27th of, <laughs> of August 2018 was when we had um, our first session. And then after that, I joined the, the student group and then I was just working through um, from that time. Um, I wanted to say something. I was saying something. Oh, before I interrupted you around the God wound. <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to. Oh, yes. So so I was saying that. Um, and then there was the retreat uh, in the village in December. Yes. But yes. you were already a Money Magic student by then. I was already a Money Magic student by then, but I don't think I was as active or as comfortable in the group. But mm. after you face to face and just getting your energy physically and then with all the other um people that that were around I felt safe I remember 
I felt so safe. I remember my mom was like, you're going where next to Swaziland alone. <laughs> you, you don't, you don't do such. I was like, I'm going. She's like, you're going to sleep over with all those women. But it just, I felt very safe. And then after that, that's when I opened up in the group. And I mean, I got deep and I, I just, I revealed things and my brokenness. I just put it there because I was like, the people in here, their essence is so pure. They're so authentic and I can trust them with my heart. So I think this is for um, joining the group. I think for some people, maybe that's what they're, they're scared of that element, the dynamic and whether it's safe to open up. And for me, that was my experience. I realized it's, it's, it's safe to open up. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean about the people being so pure. I still do not quite understand how the Money Magic group happens to have people, the people that it does, but it just, yeah. And people like each other, hey? they call each other, they go offline in their relationships. They keep in touch. They visit each other, guys. It just, it's just a community that even I'm just like, wow, this is so precious. I take it so seriously. Yeah, and, and what you said, the other thing that helped me relax was, uh, so while we were in the village, you, you said um, that we all knew each other because we all realized that we're healers in, in different ways. And then you said, I remember we were in the kitchen, we were chopping chili and you said, you know, it's because we all, we, we knew each other before this, this, before stepping into this realm for this lifetime. So we agreed with each other that we would find um, ourselves in this group. That's why it's so easy for us to connect. When you said that, yeah. I was like, oh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And then that's what brought down the walls. Like there's no explaining what, why this group is the way it is. You know, like I have my theories, ancestral, I'm talking to you guys, ancestors, blah, blah, blah. But even how people find me, you know, like how people will be like to me, I wasn't on Facebook or some people will be like, I'll follow you for a while or all that, right? Phew, it was intense. So like, yeah. um, I, I know I, not was, it is intense because I feel like, I don't know how to explain it. Like I, it's almost like I know these people, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> feeling, but it's like, I just, it's like, I know that Money Magic students are the people that they are. And I just knew from the start that I could say what I, have to say in the student group and unveil all that was within me and that it would be a safe space you know so that's like that's pretty powerful and I kind of resonate with that because what what you've said I'm not very big in groups like I know this is weird but I don't easily talk in groups you know but I've learned that the groups that I talk in is because my spirit just feels so safe in those groups. And yet in the Money Magic Student group, I'm telling everything. Guys, I've told my sexual history. I tell everything. It's just, I come, I dump, and I'm like, and then this, what, this is what happened. And then it's just, that's the thing, you know? It's yeah. such, um, and I, so I knew, I know that feeling of A, not feeling safe around strangers. 
And then also just what happens in the retreats is hard to explain. Because I tell people I've been to retreats before, but I don't know what happens in the money magic retreat, in the uh, wealthy money retreats, because wealthy money retreats just, there's an energy, you know? <laughs> there's weird things that happen there. Like, I think Very we weird things, I mean. Reading proverbs. Was it the proverbs woman with Boothy? Were you in that retreat or was it the other one? There was one when we were reading the proverbs. What is it? The proverbs 51 woman. What is it called, guys? I don't proverbs know. 31. Proverbs, sorry? Proverbs 31. Yes, Proverbs 31 retreat uh, thing. Proverbs 31 woman. There was one retreat in the village. I don't know if, it's, if that's the one you attended, but where Busi had us literally, because I'm the coach, right? So she brings up her trauma around Proverbs 31. And I'm just like, what? What now? What's going on? Like, what is this? So they literally had to read the entire proverbs for me and i was like no continue i want to hear more like read the rest of the proverbs because <laughs> i had never read this right so i was just like what is going on so we yeah. had to ask that. but so the many proverbs women is so triggering for me it's i think every christian woman <laughs> you know that woman mm -mm. well but i, I don't think i was there i don't think i was there for that everyone was triggered and we had a man at the retreat as well right he was triggered about that. He was like snapping. He was like, yes, God, my mother has gone through that. Please, can we unpack that? I was just like, yeah. what is going on? So the retreats are also so fascinating. So you came to the retreats and you realized that you could open up. <laughs> yes. Um, and I remember, so one of the, the sessions that we had, this is now uh, with everyone. And... I mean, it was just a, a normal meditation. And then I do like a past life regression thing. And it's, <laughs> and then I, I just, I give the details. And again, I was reluctant because I was like, everyone else has stories about this life and it's just simple. And then I'm like, I think this was who I was in a previous life. And I was going into so much detail i remember you even saying um listen some of us are a bit more creative than others and it's okay um or we go deeper and that's okay so don't don't um don't be hesitant to share just just continue and i remember sharing that and it wasn't received it wasn't oh that's weird it was oh wow that's fascinating let's dissect that my mind was blown i was like what how is this normal <laughs> And from that, that's when I was able to um, to connect my vow of hard work. It, it came up from that, that it's actually a, a previous life thing that I've carried into this lifetime. Because um, yeah. that's the thing, right? Like, how are we supposed to the vow service? And I remember that retreat. It's the first time I ever did the vow service. And then I was like, I'm going to record it for you guys. But where I unpacked the vow service and I said, let's do the vow service. And actually the vow service is one of the most common meditations where people will discover their past lives and go into past lives. Because like, you'll find yourself working like a crazy human being, trying to figure out how to, why money make, why making money with ease is just not coming to you in this lifetime. 
Meanwhile, you're healing, you'll go to all sorts of things like heal inner child, heal inner teen. Meanwhile, the true issue is not even in this lifetime. You're in the wrong lifetime to heal an issue. It's just, you've carried this, this trauma from a past life and it now needs to be healed in this lifetime. So yeah, I remember that. I remember, if I remember correctly, I remember you saying that you used to be like a tea boy in India and you were carrying tea for people. I don't know if that's- so I was, uh, yeah, no, I was, I worked for the church and um, oh. I was one of those women that are helping the fathers, the priests. Um, so mm -hmm. I washed and, and just took care of everything for them. And how mm -hmm. I got paid, I would just get paid with food. Like I'll just eat and have a roof over my head. But that, all that effort was not rewarded with, with actual money or, uh, yeah. Mm, I remember that. Yeah, no, I remember that. I don't know, like there must be another student with that memory. Yeah, yeah the vow service, funny enough, my vow service, the very first time I discovered the vow service, I was doing past life regression with my past life regression therapist. And I don't know, we're trying to, I went there for a relationship and men, guys, like, you, men will take you, will kill you life, right? So there I am. <laughs> and I end up, so I thought I was going to go for one regression. And I literally, like, my spirit was like, yeah, you're not here for a man. We're here to unpack these things. So this is actually how I ended up with a past life regression therapist for like three or four months. And I would go every single week because I thought I'm going there for a man to understand my drama with this man. And then my soul was like, yeah, like, as interesting as this man is, your life is about bigger things than like crying over some man. <laughs> that's, that's literally what happened. And then I'm there, like I find myself in this church and understanding, seeing myself literally make this vow of service, swearing to uh, like in front of priests and everything and going into to be a nun in the Catholic church. Whoa, and like then like I was just shown all these repercussions of this vow in this lifetime. That's how I discovered the vow service. And just like then um, my a past life regression therapist takes you into the space of the lifetime between lives. And that's where I was told and taught about this vow service by, I guess like my spirit, my spirit guides, they came through and they explained why I'd been shown this life and how it ties into the work that I do. <laughs> they said nothing of the man. It's only in the next, maybe my third regression session that he came up, but by then he was just like, so not as exciting <laughs> because like now, like there were other things that were being opened up to me and it was, it changed my life. Like doing the changed my life irrevocably you know up until then I couldn't charge for my products and services and I didn't know what was fully wrong with me you know I was saving I was doing everything I was on my way to getting out of debt I published Heart, Mind and Money but I couldn't talk about the income side of things and I couldn't charge for my services so it just felt weird until after that regression session, I walked out. And the first thing that I did, I remember very clearly, I hopped into my Corsa when I still owned the Corsa and I made calls, canceling every free thing that I've ever done. And then just told people my new prices. It was the weirdest experience. And I was like, did I just do that? And I was just like, yeah, no. And that's how I'm gonna continue from henceforth. 
<laughs> that was it. Yeah, that also uh, working on on my vow of service. In fact, immediately after the retreat, when I got home, I was like, I'm quitting my job because I was working, I was working so hard, and my salary. Oh my! God. <laughs> if I told you how much I was earning, and if you looked at the hours I dedicated, I was a teacher at the time. Um, after hours, dealing with parents, with students, doing extra, participating in extracurricular activities for the students. Like I was doing a lot. I was stretched thin and I was earning peanuts. And it, 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 um, doing work around the service of, I mean, the, the vow of service helped me realize that I'm still doing that thing where I work so hard and then I don't get enough reward, but then I'm okay with it. Because until then, I was just like, okay, I'm tired a lot. Um, I feel low a lot. And this is something that the course also helped me understand that when, when you're giving yourself too much and then the energy that you're receiving doesn't match that, it mm -hmm. depletes you. Yeah. Someone's job. And then I remember there was a time in the group when everyone was like, I'm quitting my job. I'm quitting my job. And then uh, I, I took a few months before quitting because I didn't have a plan. Um, but it was there, uh, the encouragement in the group, because everyone and people that had quit their jobs and moved on to starting businesses or doing whatever else were successful. It, it just, I was like, this is the push that I need. This is the push to start over and really pursue my writing. Mm. I do think it helps to see as you're hearing other people's stories of how they're shifting in the group. I think the difference between like, say, when we do this on the podcast is that in the group, you get to see someone arrive and hear their money story. And then you get to see it unfold over 12 months as they post and share. And then you get to see the shift in front of your eyes. If they say, I'm doing this meditation, this is what's coming up. This is what's happening for me. All that starts to, it makes a big difference over time. It does. And um, one of the sessions we had at the retreat was the, the income challenge. We did something like a, like a, a, a nut. What is it? Um, the English term is not coming when you put something in a nutshell, but it was like a, yeah, a, a compact version of the income challenge. Yeah. And I was paired with Michelle. That's why I was like, Michelle had such a huge impact on me. And mm. I remember her mentioning, she was like, how many millions was it? It was like, how much do you want to make annually? Mm. I wanted to make 10,000 rand per month. Wow. <laughs> and even that, I felt like, yo, this is a lot of money. <laughs> 10,000 rand, which would work out to be what, 120,000 per month, I mean, per year. And I was like, yo, this is a lot. Michelle was like 100 grand plus per month which worked out, in fact, it was, it was a lot, way more than that, because it worked out to be something like two point something million per annum. And she yeah. said it with so much ease. I mean, I remember feeling so small going, okay, 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> we need to work on that number. And then when we got together with everyone else, it was people calling out crazy numbers. I mean, I, literally, I was there going, People are calling out millions. I remember somebody saying something close to a million per month. And I was like, what? there are black women in the world that are dreaming this big. What? And I yeah. think it's different when people are calling that out and backing it up. When we're like, okay, how are you going to make this money? 
and then they can back it up and start taking actions and everything. That's when you realize that this, damn, people are making money out here, you know? Yeah, and and that's why the group is so powerful, right? I love that we're having this conversation because a lot of people come on on the podcast and we hype up the group, but I think we never really go into this depth. This is why the power of the collective is so powerful because I can do stuff on my own, but I will only stretch myself as far as I am comfortable. And mm-hmm. I won't know that like beyond this figure is uncomfortable for me until I'm surrounded by people that are throwing out crazy numbers where I'm just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then to have those same people come back months later, years later to say, yeah, this, I've, I've reached this goal. I, this is how much I'm making. Yes. It blows my mind. Like, the mind-blowing thing, right, is that you can sit and in your head, you can say, I know, dream. And then like, we go and I'm like, go do this work, go do these lessons, etc. And then like a year later, someone comes through and says, damn, I made that income goal, you know? I really reached it. That is a different type of ballgame. And I think that is when, when you're in a group, this is when you're doing it on your own or with your friends. When you are seeing people write these big numbers and then go and reach them and come back and report and share, and you've seen them share the journey and cry after they've written the goal and struggle and then reach it, then you realize that I can also do this as well. Because I think the beauty of this is being around people that normalize dreaming big and not just dreaming big, but taking action to make this dream a reality. That makes a huge difference. Yes. I think before the circles that I'd find myself in, um, in trying to improve myself, it was just big, big talk, especially Christians. Yo, I was, I was one of those born again Christians and yo, they'll throw scriptures at you. Like if, if God is for me, who can be against me? And then this huge goal. And then five years down the line, there's no action. That's the thing. It's that like, I'll just write this goal down and then if I believe believe with all my heart that it's going to happen it's going to happen and it's like yeah faith is important guys please don't get me wrong but in the money magic course we deal with so with a little more than faith you know (laughs) we're like working actively on the goal and the aim of course is not to stress yourself we also don't do hashtag 5am club hashtag team no sleep you come and do that, you're traumatizing all of us in the group and I will get on your case and ask, is there an easier way to do this though? Like, could you maybe do this in, with a full eight hours of sleep in your day? Is that a possibility somewhere? <laughs> so yeah. Wow, yeah. I love this. Like, you've just unpacked what I love so much about the group. Cause I don't think I, got the words fully, but you've clearly like seen it. So, wow, Lurato, can you share with us, what are some, you did mention that you didn't see checks coming in, but can you share with us, what are some of the tangible shifts that happened in your life? So you quit your job, what other shifts did you have that um, you feel like from doing the work, what came through for you in terms of life shifts? Um, uh, okay, life shifts. I, I was that person, as much as I was earning a mega salary, I'd always give it away. Like I gave tons of my money away and I wasn't spending anything on myself. 
so that's one of the main things that changed. I was like, you're not filling your cup. Um, and it was rooted in that, that nobility of, oh, I'm a good person. I want to save the world. Uh, but I realized it's because I'm not doing the work on myself that I need to do. So I'm busy out trying to save everyone else when I'm the one that needs to, to be sat with and, and coddled and, and um, kind words being spoken to me. So mm. uh, doing the work, that was one of the greatest shifts. Like I, I saw myself, I, I valued myself. And as a result, I was like, but why aren't I, why am I not spending money on myself? Um, what, what other shift? Man, there's so many, but I've just gone blank. <laughs> I know that happens. Well, you changed careers. <laughs> I changed careers. Oh, ease. Ease is another thing. I, I believed in hard work and that life has to be hard. And if it's not, then something is not right. Um, ease is something that I have embraced more and receiving. I think these go hand in hand. Um, also, this, this course introduced me to the concept of uh, divine masculine and divine feminine and you functioning from a particular paradigm predominantly. And I was very much in my masculine. I wanted to be in control. I wanted, I was in my head a lot. But with the meditations, for, for example, you having to, to drop into your body and feel like sensations in, in your body, that, that really elevated my idea of being in the feminine, being creative, feeling into my body, validating what I'm feeling. Um, and as a result, I just, I saw myself more and I was like, no, but you deserve nice things. You deserve ease. You deserve um, for things to just happen to you. You don't have to put in all that extra work. So one, one example was uh, before I quit my job, um, I got myself an apartment. So Botawata is about two hours away, an hour and a half to two hours away from Maseo. So I would commute every weekend. I would uh, come from Botabute, stay in Maseru, um, in the city. So I got myself an apartment because I was tired of living at home. Got myself an apartment. And this apartment was basically my entire salary. Literally, my salary would come in and then I'd do an EFT to my landlord. All of it. Um, but that apartment was the place where I, I discovered myself. It was really nice. It was in a nice uh, location in town. Um, the decor was amazing. It just, it was nice. Like you walked in and it, it, this feeling of, man, I, I have arrived or I'm doing something with my life. Um, even though work was messy, living in the village, living in the boots, but that's the relief I got. I would say that that heaviness that I felt usually would, would, it would just sort of disappear. And mm -hmm. that's why I started to dream, like literally dreaming um, in my sleep. Everywhere else, if I was at home or if I was in Botabo, I, I wasn't dreaming. But when I was yeah. in that apartment, I would dream. I'd wake up and I'd have, oh, this happened. And then I'd, I'd write down some of these dreams. And, and I also then started journaling about this is what I want from my life I want my life to look like this five years from now um and that that space just it it helped me be in in a in a in a space of ease and that was important I remember you're the one that put a stamp on that um I remember pitching this idea to you and you're like great yes go for it I was like it's my entire salary <laughs> And you're like, listen, if you want to check that as a money coach, I would say, no, think as like, no, that's what your spirit wanted. Because, I mean, 
it doesn't make sense to someone listening to this that I would give that advice as a money coach. But guys, I give a lot of such advices, right? Because we're not working like, yes, your money is going to be sorted. Like I'll say this to people, like your money will be sorted because you're in the money magic cause we're doing the work. But your spirit is asking this of you and your soul is asking this of you, which is a very difficult decision. But what you got from that is so priceless. Neither one of us could have imagined this or quantified it, right? So yes. if you had held your money back and you had tried to say, I don't know if you would be where you are today. I, I no? doubt. I doubt because the, the whole you deserve nice things and you deserve a better life, it was cemented in those times that I'd be in that space. I, I don't think, I also don't think I'd be here had I not taken that decision. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad you took that decision. Thank you for doing that. Thank you to your future self. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it just goes to show how unconventional the other part of, of the group or during this course. The advice you're going to get is unconventional. Um, it's not your typical save 10% of your salary and then work around your budget this way. It's, nah. it's not like that. So one of the things that 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 also just came now is is um, I think it was part of the bank bank account challenge. I don't remember, but I remember it was one of the first challenges I did. Um, mm -hmm. And and it was about aligning your values like listing out your values aligning your uh, I mean listing out your values and then looking at your bank account and seeing whether how you're spending your money is in alignment with those values and for me it, it just wasn't it like things were just off I remember I used to spend a lot of time at the tax shop um, at the school that I taught at because the lady that worked, she was just so nice and we got along so well. And so um, I was feeling very isolated living there. And those were some of the best conversations I would have. So I'd hang out there and then I'd end up buying crisps, chocolates, um, fizzy drinks. And I value, I, I value eating healthy. Like part of my definition of success is eating good food. And then I realized, I'm like, I'm spending so much money on junk, but my value is, is eating healthy and eating a lot of fruit and vegetables, but that's not what's happening. So shifts started happening when I, like, I would divert how I spend money. I'd, I'd pack lunch, I'd start cooking. And, and that's how, I mean, that for me was one of the, the, the first, like, you know, when, when you're uh, initially a born again Christian and then you go out telling Jesus, right? And telling everyone about Jesus and how your life has transformed you and say that, like de defining your values and then spending according to your values. That's how I reduced my spending. You didn't say you need to reduce your spending, but that was the result of me saying, I'll spend my money according to these um, values and spending money on myself. That's the other thing, me having that realization that I don't spend money on, on myself. When I, when I signed up for the course, I was paying, I think it was 30% of my salary uh, was towards the course every month. Yeah. That would have been difficult initially. But then when it hit me, I was like, you really do need to spend on yourself. This is this is an investment on you and you are worthy of that. You deserve to spend money on yourself like that. Yes. So those are some I I know that spending on yourself thing, it's it's a process that we go through, especially because it comes up often in the money magic course and like 
guys, I do encourage people to spend on themselves, mainly because of this thing, right? Like as you spend on yourself, you also open up, you also start to increase your receiving set point. But then there's spending on yourself from a space of like, these are my values and this is my soul, what my soul wants. And then there's spending on yourself like you're trying to get rid of money, right? You are spending, yeah, you spend on yourself, but then you're spending on junk food. It's not in alignment with, with your values. It's not in alignment with the life that you want to build, all that. Then it's actually, that is not helpful. That's not even the true spending on yourself because you take yourself so far out of alignment that actually spending on yourself in that case does more so harm than good, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to really consider. So I guess my next question is to ask, how has your definition of trauma changed as you started doing the course? How, what was your definition of trauma before and now how has it changed? I think I didn't know enough about trauma um, to have a definition for it before the course. I, was, I, I did a lot of spiritual bypassing. I, even the trauma that I carried, I had a very traumatic childhood. But until um, I started doing the course, I had never really faced it head on and dealt with it. I'd been to therapy, but I, I was one of those annoying patients. I'd be telling my therapist, other people have it much worse than this. I really don't understand why you want me to delve into this. I was just, I look back on it and I'm like, I must have been a headache um, to these people. But it's when I started doing the work alone, like inner child healing is, Oh my goodness, those meditations, I used to curl up in a ball and I would literally cry. And it's it's pain that that would last sometimes for weeks on end. And then I wouldn't be able to touch anything in the course because I'd just be so triggered by by what came up. Um, but then eventually you know, I'd get back on. With one of the meditations, it's like, but sometimes the thing with the meditations is you don't even know where the heck the pain is coming from. You're just like an open wound for like days and days. And that's where I'm at right now as we record this. So guys, I also do the work with the students. So I'm also going through my own things. So thank you for reminding me of that. I'm like, yeah, that, that's what it's feeling like again. Yeah. <laughs> um. Also, the fact that you you are at a particular point, I mean, you're, I don't want to say you're the guru, but you're the one guiding us, but you yeah. also have moments and you're very vulnerable and open with, this is where I am. I did this meditation and I'm just, I'm useless today. Um, that also encourages us to, to, to you know, just to, to, to keep at it. Because I also would have days where I'd just be like, I'm useless for today. I'm just going to stay in bed because this is too much for me. It triggered me. Um, yeah. Yeah, but in doing those uh, sessions repeatedly, I'd get to a point where I'd feel like <sighs> something has lifted. Like sometimes mm -hmm. it would take, um, but I would feel like something has lifted and then I would do the meditation again and I wouldn't be crying or that useless person. And that's when I started thinking, oh, there, there is... <laughs> Trauma is an actual thing. Here, my body is telling me, my mind is telling me there's actual tangible evidence that I see now. So um, yeah, I, trauma for me now is, I get that all of us have it and the ancestral element of it as well. Um, so I, I, I had a spiritual awakening of sorts 
well, not of sorts. I had a spiritual awakening where I had to um, connect with my ancestors. And the work that I was doing in the course was, um, it, it really helped me understand um, who my ancestors were and how they still live on the inside of me and how I very much reliving some of their trauma. I, I mean, literally some of it, I'm like, this is not me. This is something that I'm carrying. It's, it's generations of this that, that I've carried. And um, it's been easier, I think, to, to let go of some of these things because I realized it didn't start with me. It's so much deeper than this. Um, and I think wh where it came out a lot was when I was doing the father wound. Um, mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time with this in the group, especially. Because um, in the past two, three years, I've lost um, two of my uncles who, who were really a lot like my father's. So... Um, yeah, losing them triggered a lot for me for, for the father wound. So I did work around that. And uh, my grandfather, also my paternal grandfather, came up a lot. Um, and so he worked in Johannesburg and he would come home during holidays or long weekends or whatever. And me having moved away from Maseru, going to live in Botabota, I was like, I'm just repeating the cycle. Um, this is now I'm leaving my family I'm leaving all that is comfortable and I'm moving to a different city and I don't want to be there but I have to because I need to to make money to to get a job and to make a proper living and it, it really helped me address some of the things that 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 were coming up through that also returning to the whole um, cities and currencies having um representing something so when I'm in Joburg I am I find ways of making my like I just my mind opens up to money so, no. I think part of it is because of that I think I just tap into like that's where he made money so naturally I would be in that space and just think money this is where money is this is where um I can make a proper living um, nothing ever manifested though because like I'm saying when I was back home it was just money was like water it would just step in it just Whew. yeah I know there are some countries where it's like that yeah that's so fascinating because Joburg has an has an energy of work for me ask me why like I'm working constantly when I'm in Joburg you know and now like all my body wants is like my spirit is like just get to the village or get to Cape Town and then just rest, get your massages in, get your things, just do nothing but sleep and rest, you know? So yeah, I, I believe you when you say that. And also Joburg is the city of money, right? It's the hustler city, it's a city of money. The three, the energies, the cities that Joburg reminds me of is London and New York. These are the two cities that they have such a similar energy. It is crazy for me. And I love New York and love London, love Joburg, you know? So that's, let me tell you, that's been my experience. So I went to New York in May. <laughs> yeah. Just driving into the city, I was like, I'm in love. I'm in love because I love Joburg. I love Joburg so much. And oh going into New York, I was like, same energy. It really feels like you're in Joburg when you're in New York. Um, yeah, I was like, for me, New York is not my city. Like, <laughs> got the same type of energy you know okay. it's similar energy I love New York when I have money then I'm like I love New York and I think yeah. also 
Jobig is the same. Like I always think to myself, if you don't have money in Jobig, it's hard. <laughs> you know, I know because I grew up in Jobig and I didn't have money when I was growing up in Jobig. So like my experience of Jobig now when I'm able to pay for things is so vastly different of my experience in Jobig when I was in my teens. Jobig was highly traumatic for me in my teens. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you 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 don't particularly <laughs> love it that much. I don't. It was extremely traumatic. It's also the place. It's funny. Moving to Joburg was also the city where it was the first time at the age of 12 when I didn't have money, where my mother didn't have money, where nobody in my family had no, when people in my family had no money. I guess like maybe it's a family thing, like they just got siphoned out of money. And my mom started making money again when she left Joburg. She could never make things meet, ends meet when she was in Joburg. She was forever broke. When she left Joburg to go back to the village is when my mom's money story started to pick up again and come together. You know, so almost every family member of mine that has moved to Joburg has had a wild money story. Like money just been like a drain for us in Joburg. Except honey, the city loves honey. Like Joburg loves honey. So like, yeah. yeah, well like, again guys, this is why I say trauma is such an interesting thing because we grew up in the same household. We have the same experiences, but honey's experience of Joburg is not the same. It's one of her favorite cities. She loves it. She thrives in it. I just, I can't understand it. Like I'm in Joburg right now as we, as we record this and I'm still like, I cannot comprehend <laughs> what is the appeal. Yeah, it's interesting that you should mention uh, those different experiences as siblings, even though you come from the same family or household. That's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I ended up signing up for the course because my sister and I, grew up same mother same father same household but our stories if you asked me and this is something that I also struggled with a lot if you asked her how she grew up the stories she'll tell you you would think that like a gravy chain <laughs> you you would think we were so privileged and I'm always like which house did you grow up in and that's her story that's what are you talking yeah. about we had it good we had we went to really good schools never worried about food what is what are you talking about and my story is no guys I think maybe I grew up in poverty but that's <laughs> not true <laughs> that is not true but survival mode because of what was happening around you so this brings up the allostatic load whatever your sister was experiencing in the household didn't make her hypervigilant, didn't put her into survival mode, didn't put her nervous system on edge. She was able to process it and move forward. You grew up in a household where the events were putting you on edge, they were making you hypervigilant, et cetera, because every child is different. So you had, you needed a different style of being parented. And I know this, right? This is why I'm like, trauma is such a subjective and such a personal experience. And I love that you bring that up. They're like, Two people can have the same experience in the same household, experience the same parents in a particular manner. But for you, again, your soul comes from a different lifetime, has had different experiences. So by the time it landed in this household, it had had, it was carrying all this other stuff. Your sister probably just came and she was ready to just 
process, digest, let go of things and move on. Her soul had had a different journey before it came into this lifetime. This is also why we can't say, but kids got the same opportunities and this one is wildly successful. This one is struggling and floundering. No, because maybe this one had your parenting style and it worked for them. And this other one had your parenting style and it was completely not right for them. You know, and the entire environment was the wrong environment. You know, I know with my friends, they, some of them are like, oh, my God, we went to these private schools, to some of the top private schools. And don't you feel so lucky that you went to those private schools? And I'm always like, I am scarred. I was in therapy during school. Don't you remember? Like I was in, I, like most of my high school, I had to miss French class. I didn't have to take three languages at school because I had to go to therapy during that time. Do you guys not remember this? And they're like, how is this possible? I'm like, the environment scarred me. <laughs> you know? Like it was scarring to me, plus my family trauma. Everything was just a scar to my soul. And so that worked for them. And for most parents, they would, they like, even my parents were like, this is the best schooling you could get. And I kept saying, this school system is traumatic to me you know and that's why I was also in therapy so you can have two totally different experiences and kids that come out with two totally different like you can have the same experience between multiple people and then you can have one person like me that's like coming out with a whole different experience from that school system right and mm -hmm. others thrive from it like my brother went to private school as well he thrived, he loves it. He's in touch with all the alumni, all that. Me, still processing, still with coaches, still unpacking, still in the student group, talking about it, right? Different life experiences, different kids need different things. <laughs> yeah, that resonates with me as a lot as well. My high school experience, academically, it was amazing. I loved it, but socially, <laughs> I also still have issues from from then and I'm I'm in touch with very few people from high school because I just never fit in it was a very alienating experience and again because of the stories I was telling myself I was like but I'm from poverty I don't fit in with these people but that's not the case I fit in like my family profile my background was similar to everyone else's but I just felt like you I'm inadequate. I, I shouldn't be here. My goodness, that, that scarred me a lot. And I think I still um, exhibit some of that when I'm with people I went to high school with in social settings back home. It's still very, I mean, I can't, because I don't know how to do a small talk anyway. So it's, it's difficult to have conversations about, oh, I went traveling and I went to this hotel. Because those are things that they talk about. Unless they've evolved out of that. <laughs> Let me not be harsh. But they were they're those people, like very shallow kind of conversations that I just never connected with. And it's so interesting that you say that because I always say like trauma clouds your judgment. So because of the past life that you came from, like your soul had not fully, it's possible, I'm not saying this is fact, but it's possible that your soul had not fully processed the poverty and the survival the the feats of survival that it took to survive that lifetime so even when you were far from poverty and you had you were surrounded by so much 
um, abundance, you couldn't see that abundance because part of you was still stuck there that I am this person, you know? So past life trauma has such a huge impact in this lifetime. Yosus didn't come with that, you know? So she was like, I see it for what it is. This is amazing. I'm having a blast, you know, <laughs> abundance. And it's so interesting because I'm sure your parents were also like, what, like, what is up with this child? Like, why does she behave this way? Exactly. Even at work, when I was working in, in Botabata at the school that I was at. So I was, the school, it's an international school. Let me remove those quotes. Just now they come for me. It's an international school, um, but it's based in the rural areas. So it's just the curriculum that they run. But in terms of everything else, very much a rural school. Um, so my colleagues were people from there, some are from Maseru, but um, the fact that I'd gone to the high school that I went to, for instance, they were always, they were always on my case. They're like, please, you, you're wealthy. You come from a wealthy family. Stop with this nonsense. Because I I have stories about, I'd manufacture stories to fit in, but they felt so real to me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's like maybe my, my parents didn't, uh, let me think, what, what instance where they couldn't, um, or maybe they didn't allow me to go somewhere. And it wasn't a money issue. It was just like, we don't trust those people. But I would turn it into, it's because they didn't have enough money to pay for transport to get me there. And those are the stories I was giving until one of my colleagues really, one time she sat me down, she's like, what are you doing? (laughs) I know your family, I know the family you come from. These stories don't make sense. Stop doing that to yourself. And she was like, this is probably why you're here. You don't deserve to be here. You need to be living in in a big city somewhere, uh, doing big things. But because of your limited way of thinking, this is why you you are not this. Stop it. (laughs) But But it was you truly believe them because some part of you believed that it was about money, because there was a part of you that couldn't envision that there was another reason other than money. You know, when I was, what were you going to say? No, I was just saying that, that maybe, maybe that's, that's um, what was happening. Maybe, because I remember when I first had this aha moment in the money magic course, I, after like doing years and years of the meditations, I just like in a meditation one day, I had this epiphany that I have literally had like deep trauma of not having food on the table, worrying about where we're going to buy food, roof over our heads for like five years of my life, right? And then when I was at varsity, so add in another three years and then before I got a proper job and other things, so like eight years of my life, right? But really in my childhood up until I was 17, I had 12 years of financial stability, more than financial stability, like financial overflow until my mom gave away all her money to my uncle and all these other things started to happen. But I only had five years of that, right? And it became my life. And I remember having this epiphany that, wow, I only know like in my entire childhood, yes, there's a lot of abuse and trauma and everything but where there was absolute scarcity was five years and that kind of put everything into perspective for me because I was like and then I went on and I made those five years because it was so deeply traumatic the rest of my life and I couldn't see beyond those five years Mm. I really couldn't my life around money became just those five years and I think once I started healing 
I was able to then see things differently and get a perspective and remember that the parts of me right up until I was 12 were good. So I can work with those parts of me, you know? Yeah. And they can yeah. still help me. They feel safe around having money and everything. So I can work with them as I heal my inner team. And that helped a lot. Yeah. I think because I still have a lot of, of work to do with my inner child. Uh, so I think I, I need to find more of those pockets where, um, yeah, just where, where abundance was in my face. So I can capitalize on that because I, I still have moments where I revert to that whole story of I grew up with scarcity and, and but it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. So um, how do people get hold of you? Wow, Liraj, I just want to say before I even we even get your contact details, you've shared so much with us, so much. So I don't know if you offer writing services or maybe people just want to talk to you. I know you're also a healer. So if people want to book healing services, etc., how do they get hold of you? Um. Okay, so... I'm active on Facebook, so social media, Facebook and Instagram, Larato Mudisana, um, L-E-R-A-T-O, surname M-O-L-I-S-A-N-A. -A. Um, but I'm actually not actively offering any services right now. Um, but I'm open to conversations and um, I am open. If you say I want to use your services, I am open to that. But I am just saying that I'm not active in that space right now um yeah fair enough thank you so much for clarifying that but guys do follow Lirato right she writes some interesting posts and some very insightful posts on Facebook so definitely check her out check her out on Instagram check her out on Facebook you want to connect with her and just chat with her okay so thank you so much Lirato it's been such a pleasure being in conversation with you and learning about your journey even more Thank you so much. Um, I just want to say how, how great this space is and how much I appreciate it. And preparing for this, I have those journals, you know, I have them here with me, four journals that I wrote in over the past two years or so. And just looking back on my journey, I feel like I didn't share enough of what was in there, but it's, it's so much that, that, that I, I wrote down in there. And I I think I'd taken for granted how much work I've been doing, but it yeah. just brought back, yeah, it helped me remember and see that I am doing a lot. No, you are, you have done a lot. I have observed it and it's been such a pleasure to get the front seat, the front seat row, to be on the front seat, however people talk about that and to just observe it. I mean, to just, like I said, just seeing you in makeup, seeing you A, in a foreign city, seeing you, become a writer, seeing you step into your soul purpose. It's, it's just such a beautiful thing, you know? Just embracing the feminine, I love it. Oh, and that's that I've actively been doing. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Even around men, my goodness. <laughs> look at you, that was a no-no before, but just look at you. Right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that's a whole nother conversation, but, but I've seen so many shifts there and I really believe in order for you to do the work, um, 
like internal work, you really do have to tap into your feminine. That's when you'll see a lot of things shifting. Yeah, no, I'm so glad. So Mighty Magicians, thank you for joining us again for an incredible episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I love being in conversation with Money Magic students because as you can hear, they share their stories, how just like their version of healing, understanding their journeys. And today, Lirato took us into past lives. My goodness, how incredible is this? Um, if you're enjoying the series and you love it, Please, uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a comment on YouTube, go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating and leave a review on iTunes, leave us comments on Podbean as well, right? We really, really appreciate that. And also um, leave us, um, also if you are interested in the Money Magic course and you're hearing this, you're like, oh my God, this course sounds incredible. It's for me. Please go to wealthy-money.com forward slash money magic. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash money magic. It will all be in the description of this podcast and wherever you're listening in on, you'll find the link and sign up for the course or get on the waiting list. Once you're on the waiting list, you'll get more information on the course and be told how to sign up for it. So thank you once more for joining us today. I will see you guys in the next episode. Have a fantastic day or evening, wherever you are. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you find this podcast helpful and enlightening, please can you do me a favor and go leave the podcast a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube. And of course, share it with your family and friends. I would really appreciate it because it would help other money magicians who are looking to change their relationship with money find this podcast, which would really make my day. Also, as a bonus, if you're interested in changing your spending habits, I have a complimentary ebook for you. You can download it at wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Have a fantastic day further and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Money Magic Podcast.